Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast. I am your host, Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to earn more and less time doing work they love for better clients. You can find detailed show notes for this episode at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 177. Those notes include a summary of our discussion as well as any links to resources mentioned during the show. I consider myself more of an ambivert, which is sort of a combination of an introvert and an extrovert. But because I'm half introverted, I can understand why so many introverted writers resist marketing their services. The thought of putting themselves out there and touting their credentials or track record and achievements can be a very scary thing. And it keeps many of them from doing what they need to do to grow their businesses with better clients. If that sounds like you, does that mean that you're doomed to fail as a self-employed professional? Not at all. And my guest this week will explain why. Her name is Winnie Anderson, and she's a coach for introverted service-based professionals, as well as the host of the Courageous Entrepreneur podcast. Her specialty is teaching people how to deal with the tug of war between knowing that they need to stand out, but really wanting not to stand out. In this episode, she explains why so many writers resist taking consistent action to stand out, even when they know it's important. She also talks about how standing out feels so uncomfortable, why it feels so uncomfortable for so many people, and how introverts can do this in a way that feels good to them while also attracting great opportunities and clients, and also how she's been able herself to overcome this resistance as an introvert. So without further ado, let's get to our interview today with Winnie Anderson. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, Winnie, welcome to the show. Hey, Ed, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. I've been meaning to bring you on the show for a while, and I'm, I'm excited that we're finally getting to talk about this important topic. Yeah, uh, me too. Before we get to the questions, I, I want to make sure people understand get an idea of who you are, what you do, what you know, kind of work you, um, you, you focus on. So can you give us a little bit of background? Yeah, I worked for the first third of my professional career. I worked in human resources. My specialty areas were staffing, organizational development, and training. And I worked in, I started my very first professional jobs were at, at a temporary service agency. And I eventually worked in casinos. I worked for Casino Hotel in Atlantic City in human resources. I worked in manufacturing. And then I was working as the director of human resources for a nonprofit when I was in a terrible car accident and literally got knocked out of work. And in reinventing myself, I started to write right? Because we all know writing is a great way to get attention. So I started writing and I got my first paid writing job, $50 for an article in the newspaper. And my article was selected as the cover story for a job fair supplement. That led me to getting a long-term ghostwriting gig with a small agency, a branding agency in South Jersey where I was living. And I eventually became their brand strategist and chief 
chief copywriter. And then I got laid off in 2008, like so many people did, and discovered how much I hated selling myself. I could sell anything and anybody else, but not me. So eventually I was able to get some really great gigs and I started doing more coaching and consulting than anything else. And now my, my work is really centered around coaching introverted service professionals to build their business, get the courage, confidence, and clarity they need to really get their message out in a big way. Oh, that's, I love that. Uh, what, a, what a great message and what a great target market in, in a very focused positioning Um, I am curious. So it sounds like up until 2008, that gig you had, that was full-time employment, right? With the agency? Yeah, it was. I would say it was probably about 30 hours, which qualified as full-time for them. I was really blessed when I found that job because it was, you know, those magical moments that are like accidents. And uh, I'd sat across from this guy who owned this agency, whose name was Guy, actually. And neither one of us ever went to these luncheons, and we somehow sat across from each other. So, you know, when you the first time you get published, you're so darn excited, you'll send it to anybody you ever met once. And that's how he said, hey, I need help writing. You're a great writer. Why don't you write for me? And from there, it just blossomed. And yeah, I was able to work from my house. And I was still recovering really from my car accident. So I needed to be able to manage my physical state during the day. So this let me go sit on the sofa and write or or take a nap because I had a migraine. So it was really a great opportunity. But up until that point, it sounds like you hadn't you didn't really need to sell yourself because you had worked in a traditional yes. work environment, meaning as a traditional employee. Which, yes. you know, you have to still have to sell yourself, but not every week um, like right. you do when you're on your own, right? It's, yes, it's very different. Yeah. So this is a big shock to the system, especially in 2008 when not only do you have – you're out on your own suddenly, but this is a really bad time <laughs> to be looking <laughs> right. for clients. Exactly. Um, so yeah. I, I'm just curious and I – I, you know, we're going to get to some, some really um, – tangible tips, but I, I'm curious, how did that go? I mean, it, what I'm hearing is it kind of forced you to develop a, a set of skills and strategies and approaches because, I mean, you you had no choice. I, I didn't. And what, you know, there's an old saying that being self-employed is the greatest personal development program you'll ever go through Amen. because you come face to face with your own crap. And that's really what happened to me. Um, Losing your job is there's always a sense of, um, you know, you go through this whole soul searching. Why me? And if I was better at this and, you know, I wouldn't have been laid off. And but of course, in 2008, it was just massive layoffs for everybody. This guy was just trying to feed his family. So it was certainly justifiable that he, he would let go anybody he needed to to keep his business open. So I. And then, of course, I was also dealing with a brain injury. So the worst part about dealing with a brain injury is not, you know, yeah, it's bad that your brain got scrambled and you have all of these issues that you're dealing with. But the worst part for me was the blow to my self-esteem. Yeah. Because I didn't realize how much of my self-identity and self-worth was tied to the belief that I was smart. Interesting. Yeah, I 
I think that's something that we don't realize until we're faced with that, right? It's right. a challenging right. situation like that. That's uh, yeah. huge. Uh, yeah. So when I got laid off, I I had to now I had to I came face to face with the, my own stuff. And as my brain was healing, and I I describe the brain as the giant filing cabinet. And when you have a blow to the head, all of your drawers get emptied out, and the files get mixed up and thrown into any old drawer. So as the brain is making sense of its memories and taking in new information and matching it up with old information, it's saying, oh, look, here's some more trauma. You had that head thing? Well, here, here's some other stuff. So I really had to come face to face with what made selling myself difficult for me. Wow. And that's what I had to come over. Yeah, it was hard. Uh (laughs) I won't get you. Well, I um, I, I want to switch gears a little bit, and I think mm-hmm. this will be a good segue into um, so the kind of the core of what we're going to be talking about. But um, I'm going to ask you something, and, and, and this is something that might show my ignorance here, okay? So just bear with me. But yes. um, what is the difference, or is there a difference between uh, saying I'm introverted and I am shy? I just kind of want to get that out of the way and define that because I think there's a lot of confusion around that. There is, there is. So intro, not all introverts are shy and, but shy people can be introverted. So the difference is the, the best way of, of describing it is that I've ever seen is where you get your energy from. Introverts get their energy from within extroverts get their energy from from without so uh, when i know and 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 what i what i call passionate introverts is a slightly different version so there's a great ted talk which i'll share with you and you can give in the uh, share in the te- in the uh, show notes this great ted talk that talks about being a passionate introvert and the guy is just a textbook example so when you're passionate about a subject you can get on stage maybe even, you can talk to people about the thing because you love the thing. But we have to, introverts have to gear themselves up to put forth the energy to expend it in a social interaction. And it, it's draining for us where an extrovert would be in a social interaction and get energized from it we tend to get drained from it. And that's not to mean that that social interaction is a negative. It just means that it takes more internal effort on our part. And would you say that many or just some introverts are shy? I, okay, so this is going to be my personal opinion. I don't believe that Many introverts are shy. I believe that there are lots of us that have an internal wound and that because we tend to be very, very self-reflective and very, very analytical, some would say overly so, then we can, you know, this is where people who are also what are called HSPs, highly sensitive people, they, we may tend to uh, over, over explain in our head what happened and project onto a situation, an emotion or, or experience that really wasn't intended. So it's a matter of, we have to protect our energy. So for example, 
when my husband comes home, there's nothing that I would like more than to go hide and be quiet for a while. Whereas he is ready to talk about his day. I have to know that and I, so that I have to get ready and so that I can fully pay attention to him when he comes in at five o'clock. Gotcha. Otherwise, I'll go hide in a closet. <laughs> yeah, no, that in that that defines it well. And, and the reason I wanted to bring that up is is I wanted to make sure we set the stage for the things we're going to be talking about. And I think yeah. a lot of introverts, um, maybe they don't know they're introverted. They think they're just shy or vice versa. And right. I wanted to make sure people kind of self-identify here. Uh, yes. And for the extroverts or the ambiverts in the room, I think I'm really more of an ambivert ambivert, mm -hmm. I should say, um, then that, that kind of, um, provides the right, I think, f frame for, for discussion. So, yeah. And I'll give you a link to an, a free online personality test that will help people see their, you know, it's their Myers-Briggs code, which can help them see where they fall. And of course it's a spectrum, right? Like so many things. Yeah, absolutely. You can't put mm -hmm. people in a specific box. Yeah. Um, right. So in, in your blog and your podcast, you talk about how important it is for introverts to kind of come out of hiding and actively promote themselves and their business. And I think a lot of us understand that we need to do that. But why is standing out so critical to building a successful freelance business? Oh, Jesus. There are so many reasons. And it's especially critical for someone who is introverted. Right. So if you can stand out, it makes it easier for the buyer. So you want to first of all, think about um, think about something that that is that does stand out. Right. Whether it's a flower, it's a branch or whatever. Think about something that stands out. It catches the eye. Right. It entices you to come closer. It's interesting. It's remarkable. So for professionals standing out, of course, it speaks to our positioning, being perceived as unique. And it speaks to being easy to find us among a sea of sameness. So when you make yourself stand out, in other words, you're easy to spot, easy to recognize. It's easier for the other person to recognize you as the right solution provider for them or not. So a, a lot of you, a lot of us see standing out as something that um, is is difficult for us, but it's really not. It's just part of letting our own natural light shine. So when you think about this from the buyer's perspective, that you're just making it easier for them to choose, it gives you permission to communicate your uniqueness. And and it's, uh, as we well know, it's a big part of being magnetic, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the the challenge for a lot of people, this is, this is the feedback I've gotten from my mm -hmm. audience, is that it goes something like this. I was taught or I was raised not uh -huh. to stand out or not to brag exactly. or talk about myself. It's in my, it's ingrained in my personality and what I stand right. for. Right. I mean, what, what would you say to that? I would say me too, sister, uh, <laughs> you know, especially, especially for women and especially for women of a certain age, this is exactly how we were raised and it is how we were conditioned with all of society through school. You know, just think about it. We were told exactly that. Don't be a show off. Don't, don't be too big for your britches. Don't, don't, you know, stand out and uh, let uh, let somebody else shine, right? Don't be don't be showy. So 
you have to look at that as that is that was somebody else's belief system that they then projected onto you. And as the little sponges that we all are when we're child when we're children, we then absorb that and it becomes anchored in as a belief. So then we start behaving in a way that reinforces that. We go to school, we hear the same thing. And of course, as kids, we want nothing more than to fit in, right? So then we get a job, right? We stood out enough to get the job. But then there's there's this fine line. And, and as a corporate person, I know you can relate to this. There's a line between the person who stands out and shines because of the quality of their work and the person who stands out because they're a whiner, they're not a team player, they're all these negative connotations. So, so you also know that in corporate life, there's a limit to just how much you can speak out and voice your opinion before you're shut down. But there's also the fact that there are few of us who do our individual jobs in corporate life. So we do tend to shine naturally because we're easy to spot. I was one of only... I think there were two recruiters when I was a recruiter in the casino. And when I moved into the training department, I was one of, again, only two at first and then, then three. So easy to, to spot and identify. But this is, it's a belief. It's then conditioned behavior that over time feels like, and yes, can become kind of a personality trait. So what you want to do is think about, is this now working for you? Or is it working against you? Because everything that made you a great employee, at some point, you run the risk of having it hold you, actively holding you back. Perfectionism, people pleasing, right? Those got me promoted, mm -hmm. right? But those things can then become negatives out on your own as an, an independent professional. And it was one of the big slaps in the face that I had when I came to this realization that those strategies that worked so well for me were now actively holding me back. So now you face the choice. Are you going to choose what you're willing to modify, work around what you find too hard to change, or are you going to go get a job? What, and by the way, what an incredible insight. The fact that those are survival mechanisms in the corporate world or really in, in, in many different um, traditional job situations, but they are exactly the opposite of what you need to succeed as a self-employed professional. I'd never really thought about it that way. If you're a cog in the wheel, and I don't mean that in a negative term, but right. Right, you're part of a team, and your job, essentially, I've always said, I kind of picture somebody on a desk. The work comes in like a stack of paper on the left side of your desk, and at the end of the day, that stack of paper right. is on the right side. You're processing work, and I'm oversimplifying, but essentially, that's what... Right many workers are doing yeah. um, in what keeps you what keeps you successful there what helps you retain your job and to climb that ladder uh, is is those things is perfectionism is pleasing people is mm -hmm. just kind of keeping quiet uh, not rocking the boat right. uh, going along to get along exactly going along to get along and that is a recipe for disaster as a freelancer so um in you know, what I'm hearing from you, Winnie, is that regardless of whether or not, because a lot of what you're saying applies to everybody, not just introverts. Um, I, I know does. some extroverts who just don't want to really stand out or don't want to, uh, They it scares them to do some of these things. Yeah. What I'm hearing is, you know, you have a choice, but if you choose not to stand out, 
that that is the beginning of the end um, if you continue that. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Now, there are some ways around that, you know, so let's say you're somebody who truly becomes paralyzed at the thought of doing something to get attention. And and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to plant the seed that if you really stop and reflect on this, there's something that's triggering you from the past because fear is a memory. There's there's the, the, the memory that's being triggered and then there's the projecting that that bad thing is going to happen. I grew up in an abusive environment, so the last thing I wanted to do was stand out. I wanted to hide most of the time, right? So when so I had to really recognize and make the connection that trying to stand out, it was not hurtful anymore. It yeah. was not hurtful anymore. That that was just some kind of emotional trigger that I needed to to recognize and and learn that all right, well that's just a memory. You know, my mom was a beast and she's not who I'm talking to. I'm going to be talking to this business owner. So, you know, and I've got something that is going to solve the, the problem. So I really believe that we need to constantly recognize and then challenge the stories that we tell ourselves. And perfection is a great one because we get, we're so tied up in corporate life. I know people who are fired for making mistakes and I'm sure you do too. Oh, yeah. So, so we're highly rewarded for being the exacting professionals that we are. And then we become terrified that, well, I can't make a mistake out on, out on my own. We're not talking about making a mistake. You'll fix it. We're talking about it, it, there's, there's the road to excellence. And we want to make sure we stay on the road to excellence and not get off into this perfectionism, which we'll never be able to achieve. It's really an excuse for not facing something that scares us. I, I love think. this insight that fear is a memory, and that is so never thought of it that way. Um, you know, I, I know it can feel uh, that I, I want to make sure, and I know you're not coming from this place, that, hey, look, you just suck it up and get over it uh, because it's really not that easy, right? It's not. Um, it's not. So – maybe, and I know this, we could probably do three shows just on this topic, but (laughs) if you were to, if somebody is, this is resonating with somebody right now and they're thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, I understand what you're saying. I need to do it, but how it feels like this huge obstacle. Do you have any tips or suggestions that might help someone kind of uncover the root cause of this? Because I think I agree with you. Once you identify it, it's easier to, to deal with it, to manage it. You know the yeah. source. That's exactly right. I'll tell you the exact thing that I did. It is not easy. I wish I could say, by the end of this show, you will be cured. You will be fear- fearless. <laughs> that would be amazing. You will be, <laughs> I, from my mouth to God's ear, I hope. But I will tell you the single biggest aha that I had, and and then the this put me on the journey, and this more than anything else was what brought me to where I am today. And I won't, you know, I'm not going to tell you that I'm, I don't get nervous. I do, but you know, that old, old adage of you want the butterflies to fly in formation. That's really what I'm able to control them much better now. So, so here's the thing. There are 22 fears that we all share. Those 22 fears can be summed up into about three or four. The worst fear of all is that we're unworthy. 
That is the worst fear of all. So here is the single biggest thing you can do to begin the journey to unravel this and to begin to recognize you are worthy. And you. this is why the, the end, ending line, the close of my show is always, remember you deserve all the success you dream of. And that's because you are, you deserve it, you're worthy. So the, in I know we've all read the book, Think and Grow Rich, right? Mm-hmm. I read that book 15 stinking times, literally, before I finally this this phrase kept haunting me and it was detach from the outcome mm-hmm. detach from the outcome well what does it mean to be attached it means that your sense of self is tied to the result that you produce so that means and i had i've had clients tell me this i've had clients tell me this in tears that when somebody tells me no it means i am not a good person it means that I didn't deserve, deserve what, you know, what I wanted, that I hear all that, I am, I'm a bad person. No, it doesn't. Somebody telling you no means that it can mean a million things. It mean, and most of the time, it means that they're afraid of the opportunity of change that you are offering them. And I know a lot of your folks deal with uh, in B2B, right, in in corporate life. So now put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're selling to. Chances are good that person, as you said, is a cog in the wheel. They're a manager. You're lucky if you get to talk to somebody at the director level, right? So that person's career is on the line, they're risking their professional life. There's a reason why we in human resources refer to termination as capital punishment. Yeah. Well, and, and risk is something that I think many writers aren't really leveraging. The fact right. that you need to focus on how you are the the lower risk option. You know, but you're because exactly. of that. You're right. It's exactly right. So, so, and and I think it's also why we want to to make that person's life easier. We want to keep our message simple so they could repeat it because they're really our advocate inside their organization. So, when you can recognize that you're attached to the outcome and your sense of worthiness is attached to whether or not that person hires you, that's when you have to say, wait a minute. First of all, the sun's still going to come up probably tomorrow, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope that we can all say this. There is somebody in our life who is going to love us regardless of whether we get that contract or not. Mm-hmm. It might feel, and get a pet because <laughs> they'll always love you. It might feel that you need this money, but you know what? I'll bet there's somebody who would help you. So when you are able to come from a a really good place of self-love and self-respect and appreciation and value, and you're able to say, listen, I have this cure for what ails you. Mm -hmm. I have this solution. And that person, their fears are probably bigger than yours. And that's why they didn't say yes to you. They're not, they're going to tell you it's price and we all know that's just an excuse. So it's, it really is when I was able to recognize my sisters would love me, my husband would love me, my cats will always love me. And okay, and you made a choice for somebody else. That was your decision. And I've had clients come back to me and say, I should have hired you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am with you on the outcome thing. I, 
I believe it's a very Buddhist um, thing where it's like it's not about the outcome. It's about the journey. And the moment you become attached to the outcome, I, I think there's a saying somewhere in there about you're going to be a very unhappy person for, for the rest of your life if that's the way you look at things. Right. When you look for for joy, satisfaction, success outside of you, you'll always be chasing it. That's why I love the analogy, Wayne Dyer used to use this, of an acorn, that that the acorn has inside of itself the potential not just for a mighty oak, it has the potential of a mighty forest. That's the potential for our own success. We start out with success inside us, and our job is to provide the fertilizer, the conditions that allow it to grow out and flourish. I love that. You mentioned that, you know, the the whole fear thing is is based on their 22 different fears. You can group them to about three different categories. The fear that we're unworthy is probably the biggest one. Any other you feel that we should discuss that really kind of play into this that maybe you need to pay attention to? Yes, I do. It just came up this morning by a, a client and that is is the fear that you're unsafe. So the corresponding need for that then is security. And security is, it covers a few things. One is, is surety. And that is that when I do X, Y will happen. So when I make, for example, you know, for those of us who sell things online, when I make an offer, people will buy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you make an offer, as you well know, crickets chirp. Yeah. Right. So, so it is this combination of I am unworthy and I am unsafe that will combine for a very messy gumbo, as one of my old bosses used to say. So, in terms of how this applies to the standing out concept, I'm assuming that one flavor of that is who am I? Because you know I'm unworthy. I I don't deserve putting myself out there and standing out. And right. then this fear of you know this is not going to work out and it's all going to fail and I'm going to be in you know living in the streets. I'm unsafe. That's exactly right. So then you get into now you get into cognitive distortions, right? There are all these ways that our thoughts tend to be distorted over time. And what you just described is very common catastrophic thinking because you're not thinking, oh, well, maybe I will pay my bill late this month. Um, we go to, I'm going into bankruptcy and, you know, people worst will hate case me. Scenario. And, it's exactly right, right. Yeah. Beyond worst case scenario. I broke it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it will exactly lead right. to nuclear war. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um Okay, so this this is starting to really kind of gel. I, it, you know, at least for me, is this whole idea that this is rooted in this goes beyond personality. Winnie is what I'm hearing. This is really upbringing, conditioning, and a lot of factors that maybe we're not even recognizing. Um, what I'm getting out of this is, look, it it really pays to um, kind of journal on this, really, and and think about. Right. Where is this coming from? Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as you hear in your head, I can't do that because or that's just the way I am. I want you to stop and challenge that belief. And that's what you really want to do. So you want to ask yourself um, three questions and let's see if I can remember them. One is what's the lie you're telling yourself? Mm. The next is where did that lie come from? And then finally is, what's the real truth? Oh, that's good. 
And then you can really, you can go, that's ridiculous. I'm just making things up now. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to the grand finale of that is to take that page or pages and just rip them out and toss them <laughs> or burn them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ab absolutely. And then you also really want to police your own environment because if you've got things that are s contributing to this negative vibe and you've got people, people right? Because yes. there are people who love to have a pity party and do not, and women, I'm sorry, but we could, you know, part of us, part of our strength is relationship building and we can get into the, Jack Canfield calls it the ain't it awful club where, <laughs> you know, this is what, this bad thing happened to me. Oh yeah, well this happened to me, right? And that's part of our storytelling and relationship building, but it can also keep us fueled in that negativity. So you really need to get some new friends. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is this is great, Winnie. I'm I'm so digging this. Uh, I, I want to kind of take this as we start wrapping up and mm -hmm. a kind of I want to progress down this path with um, and and keep going down that solution path. Um, and I don't know if this is maybe much to ask, but uh, is there a way that introverts can stand out? Um, in a way that feels good to them. So can yeah. I have the best of both worlds or will this always feel, or at least initially really, really uncomfortable. So I want to you know, is there a way that I could do it? So it feels good yeah. and gives me the results that I want. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the good news. So all of that stuff that you hear about, you have to take massive action and you have to do something that's like completely different is false. Studies have actually shown that will send you right into terror and self-sabotage. What actually works are what I call micro movements. It, but you want to, you do want to take fast action, but you want to take a small action because that's going to tell your brain, I got to win and it's going to make you feel really good. And then that's going to build momentum. So what you want to do is you want to think about what do you do well and what are you comfortable doing, but that may be a little, a little bit of a stretch for you, right? So one simple thing that many of us can do, even the most introverted, you can probably make a list of the types of organizations that you would really like to work for and then think about okay this is what i offer for those organizations who else do they need mm -hmm. and then see if you can find some other consultants who are doing well not people who are you know have have no clients you want to find other people who are doing doing well and you want to build relationships with them this way you can and you know you want to refer them obviously so you're going to develop these referral partnerships and you want to stay top of mind with your referrals not meet somebody one time and then why did they never refer me that's not the way it works right but if if relationship building comes naturally for you this is a great strategy for you to first begin to do then the next one um someone who was just on your show whose name escapes me uh she just talked about this packaging your services oh maureen right? Farmer. maureen yeah. maureen right and and that way it's like buying Cheerios, right? It's easier for that for you to sell and easier for that person to buy because they can recognize I'm going to get this, right? And it also is a way for you then to um, escalate the the contract because you're you're then selling them in individual pieces. But you can start packaging your services and differentiate 
yourself that way. Another way, though, is to um, to go an inch wide and a mile deep, as the saying goes. You want to narrow your focus and really become. I like to use uh, doctors as the the example for this because they get it right. Um, I had a heart problem, or I thought it was a heart problem, several months ago. I knew I wanted a female cardiologist and she had to be 20 minutes from my house. And so there's a female cardiologist, right? I know exactly what I wanted. So doctors, they're magnets. So you can borrow some of their thinking and really become a, a specialist, a specialist in that area, and then just build out your network. So you have people who say, well, I don't do that. So go to them. Right. So that makes it easier for you to stand out as well. And then really, again, think about what you're good at. You're, I'll bet most of the people listening are good at writing. Right. So articles are, are awesome. And also, I always think about that other person. Remember, nobody wants to hire a writer. Nobody wants to interview all these writers. Nobody wants to do and, and they don't even know how to do it. Right. So create a buyer's guide. The 10 mistakes people make hiring a fill in the blank, the, the 10 questions you must ask, right? The, yeah, value added piece, some, some kind a, of lead magnet. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and that kind of thing is going to help somebody. It's going to screen out the people you don't want to work with anyway. And it's going to help people say, you know what? That is, yeah, that, okay. I get it now. That's what I need to think about. It's not what I was going to think about. So, well, I'm going to talk to this person. So, you want to make things as easy for the potential buyer as you possibly can. Well, and I think that's brilliant. I would add to that that, that you you mm -hmm. can kind of surround that lead magnet with uh, great content that's related to what you do and where right. you add value too. That's where a lot of people who don't want to stand out, they feel really weird about this. This is one of the things they're avoiding. And my whole thing is, look, if you got to put your name and your expertise out there on a regular basis. Yeah. Because you look at it this way, you're making it easier for your prospects to find you and to connect with you. I agree with you 100%. Right. They don't have time to scour the planet and then, you know, kind of drill down and narrow it down to a short list and then find like they want you to make it easy for them to say yes. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, so if you can think of, you know, it's a sample. So you've got to give them a sample whether it's in a stuff you've done for somebody else, whether it's, you know, it's a portfolio, it's uh, your own lead magnet, whatever it is you're doing. And then often, you know, I, I, there are times when I know I'm not the world's greatest writer, but I try to be so easy to work with that, you know, it's just easier to work with you because I know you'll get, you'll do whatever I ask you. You do changes quickly. You are just nice to work with. There's a, that really does go a long way because remember the person you're selling to probably has a crappy job, probably hates their job. So the more brightness you can bring into their life, they're going to, they're going to want it. Once they get you, they're not going to let you go. So that's another piece is once you have someone there, they may very well then be your advocate inside the organization or to other, you know, to their own colleagues. Now, I, I want to, before we wrap up, I mm -hmm. uh, 
you were able to land a long-term project recently with just a very short email. I'm just really intrigued yeah. by this. And yeah. I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through, explain what you did and walk yes. us through exactly what you put out there. So the best way to stand out, in my opinion, is to, especially for those people who are on their second or third career act, right? You have a history and a knowledge of an industry and even of a profession. So one of the best ways to stand out is to go to a vendor, right? So I, my background was in human resources. And when I got laid off from my agency, you know, man, the last thing I want to do is go peddle my papers somewhere and, and cause I hate it and I'm not good at it. So I thought, I wonder if there's any agency that sells to HR departments. At the time, I had my master's degree in human resources, graduated in the top of the class. I had been certified as a senior professional in HR, and I held that certification for about 15 years. So I just did some Googling, and I found an agency that's, that's what they did. They marketed stuff to HR departments. So I looked on their website. You might find this hard to believe. Not one person on their staff had worked in human resources. Nobody. Wow. <laughs> Nobody. So, and, and they had, you know, all their writers there. They had all their creative people. Nobody had HR experience. So I sent the following email. I found the person I needed to send it to. And I said, and, and the subject line was something like, how to help your clients sell more faster. Mm -hmm. And the body said, I am a senior professional in human resources with a master's in HR and 20 years of experience in human resources. I'm also an award-winning copywriter, and, and I mentioned a recent big win that I had. I created a sales kit that sold $400,000 worth of new business in four months. I mentioned that. I noticed that you have no staff members with HR experience. I'm sure, since I was the person you were selling to, I'm sure I could help you help your clients sell more of what they offer. And I sent that email. In 30 minutes, I had a response. I had an appointment in about two hours for a chat like this. I had the, the job in less than four hours. Wow, that's crazy. Go, going back to the, your email, how did, did you have a call to action? Did you ask them to, you know, something or you just left it at that? Yeah, I, I said, I think I, I said, I think I can help you and um, would love to, to chat with you. You know, so that was pretty much it. Gotcha. And okay. He, he hit reply in less than 30 minutes. Yep. So I, I, that's brilliant. Essentially what you did is you said, okay, I've been in this role or in this industry and who are the vendors that sell to my industry, right? Because after, because of my perspective, mm -hmm. I, I've been on the other side. I've, I am the people they're trying to sell to. Right. I understand. I got that different, that perspective. I can therefore help them connect with that audience better because I've been their audience. Right. And then you reach out to agencies that basically do that and they work with clients who are trying to sell to your, to your audience. And right. yeah, I think yeah, that's, and that's especially great. look, see if they do have their staff listed, see if you can identify a gap. You know, you can, might take you a little bit longer than it took me to do some research. And it does, but, they don't have to have like a, you know, a huge gap. I mean, honestly, it, I don't think it, it really doesn't. matters. 
because you yeah, don't, you you don't know. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. You bring some, you bring the fact of that you have literally been in the, the chair that they're trying to sell to. And that to me, that's priceless. Yeah. And, and the, th the information that I was able to bring, the insight I was able to bring, it, it really brought money in for this business, for this, this agency. So yeah, it worked. This is great. Winnie, um, you've given us a ton of value here. Lots of yeah. tips, ideas that, uh, I know are going to uh, give our listeners um, some really great value and they can sit down with these questions and some of these thoughts and, and, and start getting value right away from it. I think this is the kind of thing many listeners will need to think through and journal on and let it let these ideas and responses incubate. That's where the, the real magic will, will come from, I feel. Right. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I want to make sure listeners know where they can learn more about you and uh, and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, WinnieAnderson.com. That's it. Simple. Yep. Simple. So check it out, guys. Uh, she's wonderful. She's got a great podcast. In fact, why don't you thank tell you. us a little bit about your your podcast? Yeah, the Courageous Entrepreneur Show has has started season three, featuring Ed, which was awesome. A great, great episode, and the show is designed to share information and inspiration to folks so they can overcome limiting beliefs, stand out when they hate standing out, sell their services when they hate selling, and it features great interviews with people who've overcome challenges to create success on their terms, and it features experts who also share insight and actionable tips to overcome whatever's blocking you. Awesome. And people can find the show there on that uh, that URL. Yeah, on the website. They can also find it on iTunes at thecouragepodcast.com. Perfect. Well, Winnie, thank you again. You're welcome. Love our conversation. Me too. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.